0: The following is paid commercial programming. Third-party rankings are no guarantee of future investment success. Working with a highly rated advisor does not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a high level of performance. Investment performance is not an explicit criterion because clients' investment goals differ. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client. Generally, rankings are based on information prepared and submitted by the advisor. Statements saying that we told our clients to be out of the market in 2008 refer to recommendations made by a MMWKM's principles while employed at Eagle Strategies LLC. The team that manages accounts at MMWKM are the same individuals with that responsibility at Eagle Strategies and at Cambridge Research from 2009 to 2011. MMWKM was created in 2011 and uses the same exit strategy. A more thorough disclosure of the criteria used in making these rankings is available by contacting MMWKM Advisors LLC. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Money Matters. And here's your host, Ken Morey. We're in the money. We're in the money. We've got a lot of what it takes to get along. We're in the money. We are in the, the are money. money. The skies the are sunny old man recession. You are through. You have done us wrong. Well, hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to Money Matters with Ken Moray. And of course, I am your host, Ken Moray. And this is the show where we talk about everything and anything in the world of retirement planning, So we talk about the stock market, of course, we talk about uh, inflation, we talk about social security, estate planning, Medicare, you name it. If it has to do with retirement planning, we're going to talk about it on this show and we're going to have more fun than a human being should be allowed to have when talking about all of this boring financial stuff. And this week's going to be no exception because we have an absolutely boring show lined up for you. I'm kidding. <laughs> we have an exciting, informative, entertaining show lined up for you. And uh, but before we go one step further, let me introduce myself. I am Ken Moray, the host of Money Matters with Ken Moray. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. And I am founder and senior retirement planner at Retirement Planners of America. And we're a firm that specializes in retirement planning. And so basically that means we work primarily with people who are over 50, who are retired or retiring soon. I love it. Moi aussi. Me too. And I think that uh, those of you who are in that category, you are among the most wonderful, fantastic, great people That walk the earth, and you are in a very exciting part of your life. You're getting ready to retire, or you're already there, and we are here to facilitate that for you if we can. And of course, we always say that your retirement is your second childhood without parental supervision. We want you to go play, have fun, relax, enjoy, and we want you to have financial peace of mind. And also, very importantly, we want your money to last as long as you do, and we hope you last a long time. So, our website is rpoa.com. retirementplannersofamerica.com of america.com and uh, you can do it either way acronym or the long version rpoa and uh, on there we podcast this show so you can go subscribe and you can have it uh, sent to you to your device uh, automatically uh, we have videos podcasts so we have articles all kinds of stuff all designed to help you have a successful retirement and uh, you know just uh, one more item and that is that barons named moi your faithful host one of the top 100 independent financial advisors actually eight years in a row And uh, while I am flattered and honored by that, I know that without our beloved and most valued clients, I would be nowhere. So all you clients, we love you, we love you, we love you, and thank you. So let me go over with you what we're going to talk about in this, our weekly excursion into the land of retirement planning. So first of all, one of the things that um, you may have heard is this expression that says, sell in May and go away. Okay, And I'm going to add uh, a little Borat to that, not, <laughs> sell, sell in May and go away, not, and uh, I'm going to tell you why that actually came about. Where did sell in May and go away come from? It's actually quite interesting, but uh, also in modern times uh, here, at least as, as long as I've been doing this, it has not been consistently true, but then also we're going to talk about where we go from here. Okay, we kind of took a pause, you know, the the market was going at gangbusters, took a pause. And I wanna give you some statistics about what happens if the first five months does something, what happens for the next year. And it's very exciting and I think it's all good. So we're gonna be talking about that. Now also, you know, one of the things that uh, you may notice when I talk about our firm, uh, if you go to our website, all that kind of stuff, is that we do not talk about uh, returns on investments. We don't talk about that stuff. And uh, people accuse us of, uh, you know, they're hiding their returns or this and that. But thats we don't sell returns. We're not uh, returns providers. We are retirement planners. Our goal is for your money to last as long as you do. And therefore, returns are secondary to that okay? And I'm going to give an example of that here in just a moment in our second segment, but I would say that a firm that sells you returns could be disastrous for your retirement, and I'm going to give you a real-life example of one of the greatest investors in the world, uh, Bill Miller, and why that could have been a problem for you, and why maybe you should come over to our side, which is my money lasting as long as I do is more important to me than beating the stock market or whatever that may be. We're also going to talk about Social Security this week, and uh, One of the questions that I get asked quite often, and we get asked quite often by uh, prospective uh, clients and actual clients is you know, what's my break even age? Uh, when it comes to social security. If I take it at 62, you know, when do I break even? If I take it at 66 versus 70, 62 versus 66, et cetera, how do I calculate the break-even age? And we're going to give you how to do that. It's not complicated. It's actually quite simple, and we'll explain it to you. You know, uh, like, uh, for example, Desi Arnaz used to say, Lucy, you got some splitting to do, and we're going to share you. We're going to explain that to you. Now, also, as many of you know, We do manage money, and of course, returns are important, but it's not what we sell, okay? Just to clarify. But one of the things that we think is one of the biggest enemies to your financial well-being are bear markets, And a bear market is a big drop in the market, such as what we saw in 2008 and what we saw in Y2K and many other times. And so, you know, just as when you go to war or if you're in an athletic uh, competition or whatever it may be, the more you know about your adversary, the more you know about your enemy, the better prepared you are to be able to combat what they can do to you, right? So we're going to talk about know thine enemy. Ten things you should know about bear markets, because what you don't know could come back and bite you. So, uh, (gasps) yes. So I'm actually excited. You know, most shows would stop right there, Jack. I mean, most shows would say, if we did just that, we have done more than our listening audience could possibly want from a financial show. Somebody stop me. Yeah, don't you dare stop me. Because on this show, do we only go where people expect us to? Of course we don't. We boldly go where no financial show has gone before. And therefore, at about 10 till, we will have our estate tip of the week. So this is where we talk about how to pass on to your greedy, unwashed, undeserving heirs the fruits of your labor. And uh, in this, uh, in, uh, on, on this show, we're going to talk about a very deserving, uh, very cleanly washed, and uh, very uh, generous heir of yours, which is your spouse. And uh, so I'm going to talk about uh, why... You should not name your spouse as your beneficiary in many cases. So some of you are thinking, wait a minute, I named my spouse as the beneficiary. I'm going to tell you why that may be a really bad idea. Okay, so we'll talk about that at about 10 till when we have our state tip of the week. So we have a fantastic show lined up for you. I got to tell you just a quick thing here. So my oldest daughter is now, she's due in September, okay? So she's due about uh, three, four months from now. So it's getting real, and uh, they're having a baby shower for her, and you know she's in New York, so they're having a baby shower in New York. And so they're making plans and doing all this stuff, and I'm like, wait a minute, am I invited to this? And they're like, no, you're not. I'm not invited. You guys are all going to New York. You're going to have a good time. You're doing all this stuff. You're not inviting me? No. So then they're talking about the bartender or, you know, apparently baby sharks have bartenders. And I was like, I want to be the bartender. I'll do it. <laughs> I want to go to this. And they're like, no, <laughs> you, you don't get to go to this. So I'm going to be here working, paying for that thing. Anyway, let's talk about selling May and go away. All right. Where did that come from? So what you have to, you know, back in the 1800s, the, the, uh, th- they didn't have the internet. They didn't have telephones. You know, they didn't have all the stuff that we do today. And so when you wanted to trade stocks or whatever, you basically had to go down to the broker's office or whatever and sign a piece of paper, and then they would do all that. So it was very cumbersome, very slow, and you could not do it if you were gone on vacation. So, the wealthy, the landed gentry, as they were called, you know, the, the people who, have, uh, who had the big land, like the Downton Abbey type of people. So, they would go away in May for summer vacation and come back in September. So, while they were gone, what they didn't want to have happen is that the stock market would fall. They're on vacation somewhere. They don't know what happened. They come back and lost, you know, 25% of their money or something. They don't want that. So, what they used to do was they would sell all these rich people, they would sell in May and go away. And then they'd come back, and in September, they'd resume their buying. Well, what did that do? If you have a bunch of rich people who have a lot of money selling in May, guess what happens to the markets in May? Well, that whole thing hasn't happened in a very long time we don't have we have internet now we have telephones we have our we have all these things uh and we can trade even while we're on vacation so all of that has been democratized and it's not the same so I want to give a quick statistic because, as you guys know, my fearless forecast for this year is that uh, the Dow will hit 35,000. I actually think that we may eclipse that. Um, but let me give a quick statistic as to why I think that. So the S&P 500 in, in, in every year that have been 10 years, uh, according to Nautilus research, there have been 10 uh, years where in the first five months of the year, the market was up more than 10%. And in every one of those, the next 12 months, and I'm saying the S&P 500 index when I say market, in every one of those 10 instances, when the market was up more than 10% in the first five months, the next year, the market was up 11% or more, 100% of the time. Now, the past does not guarantee the future, so of course this could be the exception, but it doesn't look like that to me. I think it's very likely that we could see over the next 12 months a rise in the S&P of 11% or more just like what's happened the last 10 times, we've had a big start to the year like this one. So what does that mean to you? Well, it means that if you're not invested, I think you should be. And there are ways of doing that to can mitigate your risk. If you're scared of this market, because oh my gosh, inflation, oh my gosh, it's at all time highs, then how about working with a firm like ours, where we have a strategy to protect against a downside. So you can invest with confidence, with the knowledge of uh, knowing that if things go badly, our invest and protect strategy is designed to get us out. And that's why we got out in, November of 2007, before the stock market crash of 2008. We got out on March 10th before the, the pandemic caused the market to go down. Well, not it had already started, but uh, it, it went significantly down after that. So we want to protect you from that. So if you're over 50, retired or retiring soon, here's what you do. Go to our website. It's rpoa.com. And uh, when you're there, sign up for our upcoming seminars. We have uh, retirement planning. Uh, now that the pandemic is over, what should you be thinking about? We're, uh, or mostly over? We have lots of great information. Our website is rpoa.com. So sign up for that. That, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about why a firm that sells you returns could be disastrous for your retirement. So stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Morave. So one of the things that uh, you know is philosophically different for us than I would say most other firms. Okay, and that is that we don't. Our, our focus is not on return on investment our focus is on having your money last as long as you do okay and there's a huge difference between those two and it may sound like well i want to make the highest return possible and therefore that would take care of my retirement and so therefore they they go hand in hand but i'll tell you that in my view that is not the case. In fact, if you think that way, I think you're, you potentially could run running into a disaster. So let me give an example. There's an investor, a man by the name of Bill Miller. So Bill Miller is one of the most famous. He's legendary. He is one of the best investors that ever has walked the earth. And in fact, he had a 15-year period leading up to 2008 where he beat the S&P 500 index, the stock market, every single year for 15 years in a row. This is very difficult to do even half the time or a third of the time. He did it 15 years in a row, 100% of the time. So if I was a retiring person or a retired person, I think, man, I want to invest with him. Every year for 15 years, he's beaten the heck out of the stock market. He's done fantastic. He's a legend. All those returns, I'm going for that. I want to get all that. Well, then in 2008, he suffered like a lot of people did. And his fund went down 55%. And his fund went from he was managing $77 billion down to $20 billion. So it means that not only did the market go down, but his investors ran for the hills too at the same time. And so now he's come back since then. But the point of this is I want you to think about, imagine that you have $500,000 uh to that you're going to retire with okay and you invested with bill miller greatest investor of the last 15 years in the whole world and what would have happened to you your 500,000 would have dropped down to 225,000 now if you were planning on retiring with 500,000 and now you're sitting on 225,000 instead are you now going to retire or are you going to keep working i think most people would say i can't retire now i got to keep working and how long do you need to keep working for to get back to the the 500,000 you already you originally had it may take you several years let's take the other side of the coin let's say you're already retired okay and now you're sitting there and you lose 55% of your money you had 500,000 you retired 2 years ago you, you're sitting pretty you got you know you got income you're taking 20,000 bucks a year out 4% and you're feeling like that and social security covers me well, guess what? If the value of your account drops by that 55%, you're 225000 now. You're still taking the $20,000 out. Guess what you're taking now? You're taking about 9% of your money out every year. Your investments now need to earn 9% per year to be able to cover your, your, uh, your cost of living. It's untenable. You're, you're probably going to have to cut way back, if not stop altogether taking money out of your accounts. Those are all things we don't want. So our benchmark, what we look at, is not returns. You know, our goal is to have your money last as long as you do. So I want to give you an extreme example. Let's say that you are a billionaire and you have a uh, billion dollars and you've determined that you could live on $40 million a year. OK, I know it's going to be hard for you to do that. You're going to have to suffer and scrimp and save. But let's say you decided that you, you can live on forty billion million a year, $40 million a year. So that's four percent. Now, let's say that you decide, or or our recommendation to you would be, let's design a portfolio that's designed to get you 4%. If that covers your cost of living, let's do that. Because now what happens is you're taking the least amount of risk to get you the return that you want. That's one of our investment principles. And that is that we want you to take only the amount of risk necessary to accomplish your financial goals. That is one of our investment principles. So if a client comes in and says, or a prospective client comes in and says, I want you to make me 10% per year, my answer is we're the wrong firm for you. Because if you only need to make 4%, I'm going to try to push you down to that four. And you're going to have to be happy that your four is, is, is good because I only want you to take as much risk as is necessary. Again, going back to that Bill Miller example, if we take all the risk that he takes to beat the market every year, we could also be hit with the big loss. And that's not what I want. I want your money to last as long as you do, number one, and I want you to have financial peace of mind. How much peace of mind would you have if your investments went down 55% and you had to sit on that and it took you three or four years to get back to even if you weren't spending any of it? I think that's tough. It doesn't satisfy our twin goals for you. Peace of mind and your money lasting as long as you do. So, therefore… If you go with a firm that is selling you returns, we make high returns, I would say you want to ask yourself, is that the kind of thing I want, or do I want my money to last as long as I do, and I'm willing to give up some returns for that. So the benchmark we have is, are we covering your cost of living? Is your money not going to run out during your lifetime? And that's what we're measuring it by. I'll give you one last thought. There's a joke that you may have heard about uh, these two guys that are camping. And this grizzly bear shows up, and the first guy goes, Run, run, run. And the second guy goes, No, I just got to outrun you. (laughs) As long as I outrun you, I'm fine. So, our goal, we look at when I look at a client, I say, I just need to outrun your spending. If I can do that, if I can keep you spending the money you want and not have you run out, then I'm good. There's no doubt about it. No doubt. Now, if you are over 50, if you are retired or retiring soon, and this conversation resonates with you, then our website is rpoa.com. It's com. And uh, while you're there, you can sign up to attend our upcoming seminars on how to invest, how to uh, rather re- uh, uh, do retirement planning, uh, post-pandemic, now that things seem to be settling down on that front. Also, we have uh, seminars on Social Security. We have the ability for you to meet with one of our retirement planners and build your retirement plan at no charge or obligation. So we have a lot of resources available to you. So if you go to our website, it's com, and you can sign up there. It's all free, no charge, no obligation, and we will part friends regardless of what happens, okay? So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about when to take Social Security and how to calculate your break-even age. So stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Morrafe. All right, we're going to talk now about Social Security, and uh, which is probably, you know when, with our clients anyway, one of the top uh, sources of income that they have during their retirement. And so making sure that you do that to make uh, good decisions there, I think is very important. And so this week, I'm going to talk about Calculating the break even age for Social Security. All right. Meaning that, you know, if you take it at uh, age 62, which is the first time that you can take it, how long does it take you to break even? Uh, or rather, if you wait till you're 66 and you didn't take it at 62, how long does it take to break even? Uh, if you wait till you're 70, how long does it take you to break even? So, those kind of questions we get asked all the time. And so, I want to help you with that. Now, when I go through this, I want All you numbers heads, and I know there's a bunch of you that are mathematicians out there, I'm not taking into account in this example the time value of money, okay? So this is a very straightforward, easy-to-understand example without compounding of interest and all that. I get it. There is some of that, but it doesn't change the example that much, okay? Now, if you want to send me an email anyway saying, Ken, you did not take into account time value of money, Feel free. I love you, and I'm, I'm willing to take it. But let me just tell you, I'm not taking it into account just to keep it simple, all right? So let's say that uh, you have reached your full retirement age, okay? And you're deci- trying to decide whether to begin collecting benefits for $1,000 now or you want to delay getting it for one year. So by delaying your benefit for one year, then what – And and let's say your benefit would increase by 8% which is what Social Security does. Every year that you wait from 66 to 70, they increase your benefit by uh, 8%. So if you wait one year, you would get $1,080 a month. If you took it at age 66, you'd get $1,000 per month. Okay, So that's the example I'm using. So uh, it will take you 12 years to break even. Okay. So by deal is, so let me give you the example. So if you have a thousand dollars for 12 months, that's $12,000 that you gave up, right? Cause you waited one year. So that $12,000 now you're going to start getting a thousand eighty, and the extra $80 a month needs to pay you back the 12,000 that you forfeited by waiting that one year. Okay. So you, so you said, I'm going to wait a year. I'm going to get $1,080. I'll get $80 a month for the rest of my life more. But in exchange for that, I'm going to wait the year giving up $1,000 a month. I gave up $12,000. So, again, I'm ignoring the time value of money, okay, (laughs) and cost of living stuff, all right? So you take the $12,000, you divide it by $80, and basically it tells you it's 150 months. So how long will it take you to get back the 12,000 because you're now getting 1,080, it'll take you 12 and a half years. Fascinating. And very logical, Mr. Spock. So, therefore, you can decide if you think you will live beyond the 12 and a half years. If you're pretty sure about that, then you may want to delay payments for one year. Now, keep in mind that if you delay payments for two years or three years, you know, but the example that I'm giving then is, is is ends up being the same, right? It takes about 12 and a half years. So if you're 66 and you wait, probably somewhere around age 77 uh, uh, is, is your break-even age. Now, time value of money can... F- uh, come into this, but we don't know that. There's no way to predict what the time value of money is. Is it is it six percent? Is it two percent? Is it is it zero? The, you know what is the time value of money uh, in today's world? That's very difficult to predict. So we go straight up without that. So that should help you to figure out uh, what your break-even age is. Okay, so you take the amount you You are going to get that's higher. And the extra amount you're getting has to refund you what you gave up, how many years does it take, and then you'll do the math. I'm glad we had this talk. Well, I am too, Tom. So if you are over 50, if you are retired or retiring soon, we have some uh, virtual seminars coming up uh, next week on Social Security, how to maximize your benefits. I think they're fantastic. They're chock full of important information to help you with all kinds of things to do with Social Security. We also have a seminar that we're uh, next week on uh, retirement planning. Now that the pandemic seems to be coming to an end, and you'd want to attend that, we talk about how to fight inflation, how to uh, increase your, uh, how to diversify, what to do with your 401k, all kinds of stuff. So we have lots of lots of uh, resources available to you on our website, and it is rpoa.com. All right, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Know Thine Enemy, 10 Things You Should Know About Bear Markets. So stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Moreyfe. Our firm specializes in retirement planning. It's Retirement Planners of America. So we work primarily with uh, people who are over 50 who are retired or retiring soon. And uh, I think of those as the most special, wonderful people in the entire world. You're, if you're in that demo, then you know what? You are about to engage on the most wonderful time of your life. You know, uh, many studies have shown that the happiest times of people's lives are when they were in college, in their 20s, uh, and also once they've retired and settled in. Those are the two happiest times of their entire life. So uh, if you're not there already, working towards it, have hope. And those of you who are there, you're you're there. And our goal is to to facilitate that for you. We want you to have your second childhood without parental supervision, which is what we call your retirement. And we want your money to last as long as you do. We want you to have financial peace of mind. And uh, we believe that to be able to do that uh, you have to have some confidence that you're not going to take large losses in your in your money. That you have a strategy to address that. And in our firm, we have a strategy that is called invest and protect. It's a, it's our invest and protect strategy, and uh, we've actually been using it for a long time now. And in in fact, in 2008, uh, in November of 2007, rather, uh, our strategy said to get out and sell all equities, and uh, so we we did for our clients and. Uh, in 2008, as you guys know, the credit crisis. And then, of course, last year with the pandemic, our strategy said to sell uh, before the pandemic was even announced. And so, our strategy is there to help to do that. Now, when it comes to athletic endeavors, you know, if you play a football game or you play tennis, basketball, uh, if you go to war, uh, in any sort of thing where there's an adversary or an opponent or an enemy, Um, The more you know about them, the more you are able to design your plan around how to protect yourself from the damage they can cause you. So this segment is entitled Know Thine Enemy, and I want to go over 10 things you should know about bear markets. Okay, So the first thing that I want to uh, establish to set the stage is what is a bear market? Okay, So just to give you an idea, a bear market is a 20% drop or more in whatever it is that you're looking at okay it could be a stock so for example you if you know if apple stock dropped by 20 percent from its previous peak you would say that apple is in a bear market more conventionally though what people think of as a bear market is when you're looking at the entire stock market so you're looking at the dow jones or the s p 500 index so when those go from the previous peak to a low of 20 of percent or, or beyond that it could go further then that is considered to be a bear market okay now according to ned davis research uh, over the last 100 years, um, we have had 33 of those drops, 20% or more. And uh, the average drop uh, in those bear markets was 35.68%. So let's call it 36% on average. Okay. Now, of course, in 2008, it was a 55%. In Y2K, it was a 49%. So there have been bigger than that. Of course, the Great Depression was a 90%. Uh, so there have been some huge ones, uh, you know, and there have been smaller ones. But uh, in 1974, for example, there was a 48 percenter. So they, the, the average drop in a bear market is 36 uh, percent. Uh, uh, yeah. Now, how long do they last? Well, remember, a bear market, la- the, the lasting of a bear market means when it ends and starts going back up again. It's not when you get back to even. So there's a I want to be careful in this designation. So the average bear market, the length in days is 299 days, meaning it's about a year. So it goes down. The average bear market goes down for about a year. Okay, Y2K, it went down for about a year. But it took another two years to get back to even or uh, one and a half years, rather. So the entire time between when it started to go down to where it got back to even in Y2K took about two and a half years, And in 2008, it took about six years, I believe. So uh, it takes a long time sometimes to get back to even. But how long does the bear market itself last? From peak to the bottom of it, it's an average of 299 days. So It's about a year. So during that year, you're enduring a lot of pain. And then once it bottoms and starts to turn around, if you're a retired or retiring soon person, you're hoping and praying that it gets back to even as fast as possible. And it takes a while for that to happen. Okay. The other thing you need to know about is that bear markets are normal. Okay. There's not, they, they, they happen. And like I said, there have been 33 of them over the last 100 years, so they average about one every three years. Now, when's the last bear market we had? Well, it was last year. <laughs> the one before that was 2008. The one before that was 2015. All of those three that I just mentioned were very fast, which is unusual. But uh, before that uh, was 2008 and Y2K, and those two were six years apart. Or eight years apart, rather. So they go in cycles, but uh, every three years is about the average. Now, the other thing that uh, you have to understand is that bear markets don't necessarily indicate an economic recession. So you can have a bear market without a recession. Okay, so that's happened in 14 of the 33 bear markets. And those could be profit related. They could be, uh, you know, because of the oil embargo. So those things are not necessarily recessions that caused them. So there's a kind of a thought that recessions are caused when we have a, uh, I'm sorry, a bear market is caused when we have a recession. It ain't always so. Okay, so don't think that that's the metric. Now, we don't know when the next bear market's going to come. We don't know in advance what could cause it. A lot of, you know, if we knew that, then there would be no bear markets because everybody would be out and nothing bad would happen and we'd never have a bear market. But because we don't know, they come out of nowhere. And, you know, for example, the credit crisis of 2008... Um, you know, the, the, the tech bubble when it burst, you know, people didn't believe that was going to happen. Uh, the stock market crash of 1929, even the pandemic, who knew that was going to come, right? So not knowing when it's going to come means, in my view, that you have to prepare for it. You don't know when the next hurricane or tornado is going to come, but you don't react to it once it's on you. You have to be ready for that. You have to build your storm shelter. You have to build your sirens. You have to build all the infrastructure so that you're ready for when it does come and that's how we feel when it comes to our clients and protecting their retirement from this financial storm so in my view it's hundred percent probable that we're going to have another bear market that we're going to have a significant drop the thing is i don't know when it will happen and i don't know how long it's going to take to recover so what do i do We we have an invest and protect strategy in place to help us get out and protect our clients. Now, if you're over 50, if you're retired or retiring soon, if you go to our website, it's rpoa.com. We have uh, videos and articles and uh, podcasts about our strategy. I encourage you to to advantage yourself of that. You can also sign up for our coming seminars. We have on social security and uh, retirement planning now that the pandemic seems to be over. So we have a lot of information on our website. So go there and and, uh, enjoy. It's rpoa.com. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about why you should not name your spouse as your beneficiary. What? So stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Morrafe. All right, this is the part of the show where we talk about how to pass on to your greedy, unwashed, undeserving heirs the fruits of your labor. And, uh, you know, that's normally what we do, but this week we're going to not do that. We're actually going to talk about how to pass on to your very generous, very washed, (laughs) and very deserving spouse, okay, and uh, yes, indeed, and so how to pass on to your spouse uh, what you have in the best way possible, and so I'm entitling this one, why you should not name your spouse as the beneficiary, so you're thinking, wait a minute, I've been married, we've been happy, we built all this together, I want to leave everything I got to my spouse, well, I'm going to tell you that's probably not a good idea, depending on your circumstance, but before we do that, Jack, can you play it? And, of course, that is Tony Bennett with rags to riches. And, you know, the estate taxes, probate, all that kind of stuff, it's actually designed to do the exact opposite. So we don't want that to happen to you. So every week at this time, we have our estate tip of the week. So this week, we're going to talk about why you should not name your spouse as your beneficiary. So there are basically five areas that when you are doing your estate planning, I think uh, are you know you should think about. The first one is estate taxes, so taxes upon death. Now, currently, that's a huge number. It's $12 million per person that you can leave to somebody else, and there's no taxes. But President Biden is talking about making some changes to the tax code, and I remember when the amount you could leave to a, 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 a non-spouse beneficiary was $200,000, and everything above that was subject to tax. So don't think we won't go back to something like that. I don't, I don't think it'll go that far, but what we have in place right now may not last. So one thing to think about. Number two is... You want to protect your heirs, I would think, from if they get sued, from lawsuits, right? So if you leave them an inheritance, I would think you'd want to help them to have that protected from lawsuits, also from bankruptcy. If they were to declare bankruptcy because of whatever and the creditors go after them, if the inheritance you leave them is protected from that, I think it would be a good thing. Also, uh, when it comes to your spouse, what if your spouse remarries, you know, which is possible, And uh, one of the worst things I think could happen, at least from being the dead spouse, (laughs) I'm in my grave, is that my wife remarries, and then uh, she dies, leaves everything to her new husband. New husband decides that he doesn't care about our kids, and he gives it all to his kids. So my children, with, with my wife and me, get nothing, and this guy that I don't even know exists at this point, ends up giving it all to his kids that I've never even met. So maybe that's something you want to protect against. And then the other thing also is the management of the money itself. If you're the financial spouse, if you're the one that takes care of all of that, then it may be that you want your spouse, your surviving spouse, if they survive you, to uh, be the one to have financial help with all of that. So all of those things, if you leave the money outright to your spouse, are potential issues, right? They're all issues. And so if you, there are two kinds of trusts that you can create for your spouse, that will eliminate almost all of these issues. One of them is what's called a Q-tip trust, which we've talked about on other shows, but basically it's a trust that's designed for your spouse, but she or he does not actually own the money, the trust does. And then there's also what's called a bypass trust, which could save you on estate taxes and still provide for your spouse. So those are two trusts that could be there for your spouse. You can name your spouse as a trustee of those two trusts, and they can get full benefit from the money that is in those trusts while they're living. So, to me, it's the best of both worlds. You can protect again, estate against estate taxes, lawsuits, remarriages, bankruptcy, you know, financial management. You can protect protect against all those things, but yet still have the money available for your spouse should they need it, live on it, spend it for stuff, buy you know, refurbish their home, whatever they need it for. Pretty much can be done. Oh, that's too wonderful to be true. Well, it is not too wonderful to be true because you can do it, but you need to talk to an attorney uh, or somebody who understands estate planning to help you with that. Don't do it at home by yourself. So here's what I would recommend. Go to our website. It's rpoa.com. And while you're there, you can. Uh, we, have some, uh, we have some seminars coming up on generational planning, such as what I just talked about. But also we have podcasts, we have articles, we have videos on that. You can also subscribe to the Show which I encourage you to do. Uh, You can get the podcasted version of the show, and uh, you can listen to it on uh, on your time schedule. And while you're there, you might as well sign up to uh, attend our retirement planning. Now that the pandemic seems to be over, uh, seminar: What to do now, given what's going on? And we want to help you to think about your 401k, your income taxes, your Social Security decisions, your Medicare decisions, uh, your diversification, uh, your income, all those kind of things. We want to help you with. It's all available to you on what I think is the best retirement planning website in the universe. I don't know how to say I thank you, except I thank you. Frankie, you are welcome. And that is, uh, you can uh, can go there by uh, simply typing in rpoa.com and then hit send, and uh, you'll be there to enjoy it all. So rpoa.com. All right. Wow, the show's over already. I cannot believe how fast it has gone. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have enjoyed making it for you. We'll see you next week, same time, same channel. Bye bye, everybody. Of course not. It's only the beginning. Information presented should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned. None of this show's content should be viewed as personalized investment advice. A professional advisor should be consulted before implementing any of the strategies presented. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk and therefore can be no assurance that any specific investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. The tax and estate planning information offered on this program is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Sound effect or anecdotes should not be construed as an endorsement of Ken Murray or MMWKM Advisors, LLC. The firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.